Welcome back. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm Michelle Miao, your host, and uh, we're celebrating so many things within the LGBTQ community. I know that just the other day we celebrated National Coming Out Day, but at the same time, there there's some something out there that's kind of, I guess, bringing us down. And I say us, and I mean that like everyone, even even myself included. And sometimes when we're feeling down or we're feeling like something's off. It's kind of scary to talk, to talk about it openly and publicly. Well, here on the show, you know, there are no secrets. We talk about everything. That's why it's called your A through Z, covering the LGBT, LMNOP, and everyone in between show. And since the holiday is coming up, I always tend to think about those in our own community, the LGBTQI community, who could sure use someone to talk to or perhaps even, you know, someone to be around. Depression is not a horrible thing. And I think that if we could just break it down, come together and talk about these issues that impact our community, we would move forward. We would empower each other. And I think that we would have a whole lot of resources out there that we might not know about. I'm going to read some some facts to you. And uh, it is in partnership with our sponsor, Kaiser Permanente. And hopefully this will help you find your voice. <laughs> That's right. So here's what I have. Approximately one in five adults in the United States, 43.8 million, experience mental illness in a given year. One in five youth experiences uh, a severe mental disorder at some point in their life. And more than 15 million American adult adults ages 18 and older in the United States experience a major depressive disorder in a given year. So as you can imagine, talking about this issue is very difficult for most people. I'd like to welcome Dr. Mason Turner. He is the chief of psychiatry at uh, Kaiser Permanente of San Francisco to the program to talk about Find Your Voice as well as depression and how it impacts the LGBTQI community. Dr. Turner, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So let's start by talking about Find Your Voice. I think um, it's an incredible campaign, and I read about it this morning. And uh, I would, I would, you know, not very many, even doctors and or networks or organizations out there have a positive way of talking about mental illness. Right. So I think, firstly, it's really important to emphasize that stigma is one of the biggest reasons why people don't seek treatment for mental illness and other forms of mental health disorders. That's really important because if you have a stigma about how you're feeling or you have a stigma about how uh, you're presenting yourself to other people, you're going to be less likely to get the necessary help that you need or maybe even admit to yourself that you have a problem that needs to be addressed. And so part of what we're trying to do at Kaiser Permanente is really break down some of those barriers, some of those walls around stigma, and really understand how we can reach out to people and tell them it's okay to talk about how you feel. Find your words, find your voice, and be able to talk about what's going on inside for you. Yes, absolutely. And like I mentioned earlier in my introduction, depression does impact the LGBTQI community. We're not immune to depression. We're certainly not immune to mental illnesses. So for the purpose of this show, I want to focus our talk, our discussion this afternoon on the LGBTQI community. Let's start with depression. It's the holidays. Um, you know, a lot of material will come out during the holidays affecting the LGBTQI senior community. What are your thoughts about aging within the LGBTQI community and how that relates to uh, depression? And if there are any statistics that you might be able to offer? So first of all, aging affects everyone, regardless of whether you're LGBTQ or not. I think aging is, is one of those issues that we all face. 
all of us hopefully are aging every single day in some ways, right? And so as we change and we go through our phases of life, we have to think about how we adapt and how we transition, whether it's going from our 20s to our 30s to our 40s, our 60s, 70s, and 80s. We have to figure out how we transition from one phase to another. And I think for a lot of LGBTQ individuals who have really spent a lot of their lives uh, fighting discrimination, fighting stigma, uh, lasting through uh, the 80s and 90s and the AIDS crisis when they were losing so many of their friends, those traumatic memories, as they get older, they find themselves looking back over their lives and wondering, you know, what contributions did I make? How did I get through these particularly traumatic uh, periods of my lifetime? And what am I going to be doing in the next 10 or 20 years uh, in, in light of those issues that I faced in my life? Mm-hmm. And then from, you know, medical point of view, or for, for you at least as a, a medical professional, you know, for those who did fight for the majority of their lives, um, fight discrimination, fight oppression, you know, it's only been a few years ago that society or the polls um, are talking openly about tolerance and acceptance in general of LGBTQI people here in the United States. In your opinion, I mean, just because we are suddenly more accepted or more tolerated in in media and in pop culture, um, you know, does that does that all of a sudden decrease the percentage of depression or the stigma of it within the LGBTQI community, um, especially those who, like you said, lost someone during the HIV/AIDS um, epidemic that impacted our community, and/or during that time when you know people openly harassed or discriminated LGBTQI people. You know, it's a great question because I think sometimes we look at where we are now in terms of our tolerance, in terms of having uh, rights to marriage and those kinds of things. And we may uh, be tempted to think, well, a lot of the fight is over and we've arrived at certain, a certain place in our lives where we actually have equality among our LGBTQ individuals with others in society. And I think it's great where we've landed. I think it's great that we actually have uh, tolerance and we see that in our society. At the same time, for those who have gone through periods where they were discriminated against, where maybe they feared for their lives, there were other issues they had to face as, as younger individuals, those memories are very, very tough to forget. And as you age and as you think about how you look back over your life and celebrate your accomplishments and really think about, you know, the, again, those next 10 or 20 years, you really have to go through a process of understanding where you've come from and how you've dealt with those traumas in your past. You know, this is not anecdotal, it's more personal, but I found that being out in, say for example, to Castro, the gay neighborhood um, here in San Francisco, well, one can argue if it's still gay, but um, I think it's iconic. It means a lot to us uh, who still live here in the San Francisco Bay Area. But, uh, you know, once I guess we achieved marriage equality and, and uh, we we have, you know, the president of the United States evolve on his position regarding gay rights. Um, the, the positivity or, or how fast that that moved here in, in our country has an impact on us socially and then also contributes to the depression level. So what I'm talking about is, you know, some of my friends feel even more depressed because now they're they're living in a in a time in which it, it feels domesticated or it doesn't feel as gay. Does that does that make any sense? 
It does. And I think for a, a lot of LGBTQ individuals that are aging, they look back on the days of the 60s, 70s, 80s, where they were really fighting a fight to actually bring themselves into a place where they could talk about uh, their sexuality or their sexual orientation, their lifestyle, that kind of thing. And as you arrive at a place where we're really more integrated into the fabric of society, it becomes a little, I think, jarring for some people, even disorienting, you might say, to kind of what do I fight for next? You know, where have we arrived? The life that I knew before 20 or 30 years ago is very different than it is now. And as an individual, you have to really think about when those situations occur in your life, how do you transition from who you were 20 or 30 years ago to who you're going to be in the next 20 or 30 years? And those transitions are oftentimes fraught with a lot of depression and a lot of different issues that have to be addressed. Now, I heard you say this earlier. I mean, part of the solution is fighting the stigma so that we can be a little bit, little bit more out and open and reach out for help when we need it or, you know, find our voice, right? Um, what else? What, 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 what other solutions? I've heard, I've hear of medical professionals who talk about the importance of still, you know, creating spaces for LGBTQ uh, seniors and the aging community to have that sense of community, that people that understand them. Whereas younger, modern, progressive, if you will, even radical medical professionals will argue that it's the institutions, if you can create a diverse place that is inclusive of LGBTQ medical professionals, then that that solves the problem. Um I think it's a it's a personal perspective, but at the same time, you can you know educate on this and what what your thoughts are. Is it a little bit of both, or is it one or the other? I think it's a little bit of both. Um, but what's important to keep in mind when we talk about uh, community and we talk about where people find their level of social interaction and comfort and what have you, what's important for anyone, regardless of age, but particularly as you uh, become older and you may become more isolated, is you have to find the community. So for many individuals who are starting out in their careers or their jobs, uh, they're maybe working in environments where they have friends and they're around people all day long. When they all of a sudden retire, let's say, and they have a lot of time to spend alone with themselves, we see a lot of depression surfacing during those periods of time. And the communities really have to support those individuals and you have to find those places where you feel comfortable and where you can gain that social interaction. For many of us, that's work, or maybe it's family, or it's some kind of you know, group of parents as we're raising our kids. What becomes important for the LGBTQ community as we age, we have to think about how we maintain that particular community as we leave work and as we move on into different phases of our lives. I um, I also want to break this down because, you know, I think that talking about the LGBT community, and we've done this before uh, many, many times, we talk about the community as if we're all the same. And, <laughs> you know, we're completely different, even from a, we could be different from a sexual orientation perspective or gender identity perspective and, of course, sex, right? So let's break it down um, in kind of talking about aging, depression, and we'll start with the you know, the gay community. I mean, there's a difference between the gay community and the lesbian community. Would you say that there are some similarities and or differences? Or it's a it's also, again, a little bit of both. And if there are specific uh, examples of how depression can impact um, any of those communities specifically, let us know. Yeah, so I think there are differences between the gay community and the lesbian community in terms of aging issues. I think as a whole, um, many men tend to isolate more as they get older, and sometimes women actually tend to turn in more towards their community to find that support. And men need to learn how to be in communities as they get older, talk about their vulnerabilities. 
talk about the stigma that they have experienced in ways that are very important. I always like to say that the gay community, uh, gay men, are still men. And men, as a general rule in my experience, do need to understand and think about how they talk about their feelings in ways that are different than women. The lesbian community, those are women, and women have a certain way of talking about their feelings and engaging in community that's different. Those differences are not necessarily going to uh, go away as you get older or just because you're a gay or lesbian individual. Same with trans and with other individuals. Those communities have their own ways of communicating and being together. And so if you're part of those communities and you really want to gain a sense of connectedness, you have to think about how you do that. And you have to understand how others in your community do that as well, because you're providing that connectedness for them while you're seeking it out for yourself as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, this is a big one. And I think that, you know, I'll have to invite you back on to talk about uh, talk about it specifically. But um, aging as well as relationship and dating. And I think that there is a social stigma that it, that exists in our community, the gay community, that makes it you know, it, it hard. It, it's now this discussion, this talk about when are you going to getting married or do you have a lifelong partner? And if you have a lifelong partner and you're not married, you know, why aren't you married? There's that conversation that's existing that I think contributes to depression as well. Um, and, uh, you know, not, not to ask you for any examples because you are a medical you know, professional and, and not wanting to get into, you know, people's lives, but, do you do you hear that? Do you feel that there's this all new pressure that exists um, in the gay male community to to get married? Well, I think one of the the issues that marriage equality raises is that marriage is now uh, available to gay men and lesbians and other individuals when it wasn't before. And we all make choices about how we orient our relationships and who we're with and what level of commitment we have to them. And you're very right that when people start asking questions about, well, you've been with your partner for 20, 25 years, why don't the two of you just get married? Mm -hmm. Well, maybe the reason wasn't because it wasn't allowable until recently. Maybe the reason is actually because you didn't want to get married or you don't believe in that institution. And that opens up a whole range of conversations that are difficult. And all of these conversations, whenever we talk about our differences, our ways of thinking, we may actually put out something that we feel like we're going to be rejected because of those ideas. That, of course, is going to compound our sense of isolation in some cases, our fear of being ourselves, potentially impact stigma in some ways, and lead to more depression. Mm-hmm. So it's very important that we're open, understand ourselves, and feel like we can talk with others about our feelings in a, a really open and supportive framework. And what are your thoughts on, you know, again, the growing old and being alone? Uh, you know, the, before... I feel like before marriage, and again, this is not anecdotal, it's all personal um, in in talking with, you know, some friends, especially those who were older gay men and used to dating someone who was a lot younger and or, you know, younger in general. Um, as long as there was the community and the, the there was some, you know, socializing going on, that wasn't really that much of a fear. And, and all of a sudden it almost feels as if there now is a fear, especially if the community the gay community, the gay neighborhoods, the gay ghettos are, you know, diminishing as we head into, you know, tolerance and acceptance, that there's this real fear that we might end up alone as we age. There's been a lot written, a lot discussed, I think, in my circles among psychiatrists and therapists. We talk a lot about how society feels less connected now than it did uh, previous to all of our electronic communications and email and those kinds of things. 
society is less connected in some ways. Uh, you only need to look in a restaurant to see people on their phones and not engaging in conversation, those types of things. And I think uh, for those who are aging, whether you're LGBTQI or not, or not, you're going to be facing some of those issues of a lack of connectedness. And if you're in your 70s or 80s, maybe you're not as comfortable using some of the social media or other ways that we connect these days. You may feel even less connected with others because you don't have those available to you. And I think we have to be very careful to understand that social connectedness as human beings is important to maintain. We need to have interactions with other people on a social basis. We need to see them, talk to them, and engage ourselves on that level in order to feel less isolated. So that's kind of one of the biggest issues I see as we all age, that we're becoming less and less connected, and we have to fight against that in some ways. Well, let's talk about that and going back to um, you know some solutions in the campaign that you'd mentioned when we first started uh, our conversation. Um, first of all, yes, fight fight the stigma. Um, and I think also, you know, something I want to talk to you about is, you know, we tend to sometimes shame each other um, when we're, you know, feeling bad or not feeling good about ourselves. And then we also do a lot of self-shaming as well. Um, does that, you know, does that ring a bell for you at all? And uh, having done some work within the LGBTQ community? Yes. Yeah, so I think when you're depressed, you tend to view uh, your life through a certain series of lenses that you may not have when you're not depressed. What do I mean by that? Uh, when I'm depressed, I may look at life in more of a negativistic framework. I may see negative aspects of my life and they come to the fore more than the positive aspects. And so some of our initial work with depressed patients is really around how do you emphasize the positive more and diminish the negative and really look at yourself not as not in a, a, a shameful context, but in a context as a proud human being who's accomplished a lot in life. If you came up as a gay man or a lesbian or a trans person during certain periods of time, you were very used to being ashamed of who you were. Even if you fought against that, you still had to fight that stigma and the shame that went along with it. And as you age, you may look back on those periods of time and be even more ashamed for what occurred. And you have to fight back very actively against that and really recognize it and really work on limiting the impact that that has on your life. Now, I find that, you know, also, if the senior community, the LGBTQ senior community um, is experiencing, uh, you know, a rut or some, you know, depression in their life, and they want to reach out, as you had talked about, you know, connecting and how that's in important. Um, and this, this, you know, might be an answer for those of you who are much younger, you know, what, what is it that society, we as a community can do, the LGBTQ community can do if someone is experiencing some depression? Um, you know, is it okay to, to go out to the, the bars and, and socialize and hang out with someone that you know might be depressed or should you reach out to an LGBT senior? And if you do, you know, what are some things that you can do to, to help? The first conversation I typically have with someone who's depressed is to find their words around what that depression is like for them. What words can they put around it? What does it feel like? How can they talk about their depression in a way that helps them to reduce the stigma around that depression? When you do that, when you're able to actually look at it objectively and you're able to figure out what it is that you need from others around managing your depression, then I encourage people, go out and get it. Figure out a way to be involved in the community, to be connected to others, and to really understand that one of the ways to get beyond your depression is by talking to other people about it. 
If you sit on your feelings, if you can't talk about them, they're going to compound and be 10 times worse, 100 times worse. For those who are on the other side of it, maybe they don't struggle with depression. When a friend of yours or a mentor, an older gay man comes to a younger gay man or an older lesbian comes to a younger lesbian and says, I'm feeling depressed, recognize that that is very difficult for that person to say to you. Listen to them, understand what they're trying to say, ask questions, and really try to be there for that person. And and try as best as you can not to limit their interaction with you or shame them in some way. And that's very important. Mm, awesome. Thank you so much. Um, this has been really enlightening and and also, you know, it feels very good because I get the sense that there has been a lot of talk um, about how we're feeling, but we're not necessarily putting the word depression out there. And I think it has a lot to do with the stigma that you talked about. So if people want to to find out more information about the, you know, find your voice or find your words campaign, how can they do that? So we have a website, findyourwords.org, and it's a beautiful website, very well done, really, I think, encapsulates all that we're talking about today. And I would encourage everyone, regardless of whether you have depression or not, or you're struggling with that, go to the website and take a look at it, and it will really help you to feel lighter and understand more about how we can reduce stigma. I would also encourage anyone who's suffering from a mental illness, is depressed or has other issues that they're really trying to manage in their lives, to think less about a mental illness or a mental disorder and think about your mental health and wellness. What is it that you need to do as an individual to improve your mental health and feel better from a wellness perspective, uh, psychologically, emotionally, uh, and behaviorally? Dr. Mason Turner, thank you so much for joining us here on the program. It'll be the first of a series of discussions that we can talk openly and also provide a safe space to, to hopefully engage others in our community to, to break down that stigma as you talked about. So thank you so much for joining us here today. Thank you again for having me. Don't go away. We'll be right back. The Michelle Miao Show continues right after this. <laughs> 